with that, why don't you turn to your neighbor or to the person beside you, don't touch them, uh, unless they're family members, but wave and say, Happy New Year. Our Redeemer lives, huh? Our Redeemer, that's the best news ever. Praise the Lord. Happy New Year to you. First Sabbath in 2021. And uh, before we open God's word, let's pause and ask God's blessing as we study his word. Lord, speak to us now. You've given us your word as the lamp to our feet and light to our path. And in its words, we find hope and truth and new life. We pray that you'd bless your word by your spirit that lives in us, that we might follow in your footsteps. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So, isn't it nice we made it to 2021? Thank God, huh? But with this year here, we're all asking questions, aren't we? What's ahead? What, when will normal return, or will it return? What's in store for me, for my family, for those I love in 2021? You know those questions, and hundreds of more questions. And that's probably, at least partly, why you're here Partly why you've joined us in person, partly why you're listening through TV or through live streaming. Uh, You're glad that we've made it through this last year. And you're hoping that this new year, well, you're hoping at least it's going to be better, right? And you know that this stuff, relationship with God, orienting to eternity, you know that that's all core to our existence. You know that listening, waiting for his advice, listening for his counsel, for his instruction, you know how important that is. And you're waiting, you're listening. You want insight from the one who knows. But what's interesting to me is that although we probably gathered for that reason, looking for insight, looking, looking for advice, looking for counsel and instruction, and maybe you're thinking that I'm going to give it to you today, but I'm not. I'm just going to ask you some questions. That's all I'm going to, and that's really what Jesus did. Because God generally doesn't work the way that we oftentimes like him to, you know. We, we prefer him to be like a divine dear Abbey where we ask questions and he'll give us advice for that moment, for that situation, workable solutions for everyday events. But Jesus isn't just an advice giver offering spiritual tips for our problems. More often, Jesus is a man with questions. In fact, He often answered questions with questions. Depending on how you count them, and someone has counted them, I haven't, but someone has, there are several hundred questions that Jesus asks in the Gospels. Of course, with four accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, some of those questions are repeated, but still, the number is quite substantial. Someone counted 307 
But when you reduce that by the four Gospels, one person said there's 183. That's a lot of questions. And by the way, he only answered, by one person's count, three of those questions. So that left a lot of questions unanswered. And maybe that's, maybe that's his way. Maybe it's more consequential that Jesus only answered just a few. More consequential for us. Because it means that Jesus wasn't always just the man with answers. He was a man with questions. Now you might ask, why did Jesus ask so many questions? What does it mean that we have a Savior who asked question after question? Does Jesus expect us to answer all his questions? Is there value in pondering the questions that Jesus asked? And you may be thinking right now, is this sermon just going to be a series of questions? <laughs> Let's get on with it. Which reminds me of an old joke that I read this week. Do you know why children ask so many questions? Anyone know? The answer is, why not? So, we're going to go for questions today as we start the new year. And that's often what Jesus did because he knew that with questions, we are changed. We're changed not just by what we hear, but by what we say. Many times, we want to know the answers so that we can change others. With questions, God allows us to be changed. And that's really what he's, he's all about. When Jesus asks questions, his questions unnerve. They realign they transform and they subvert old assumptions and old loyalties. That's what Jesus' questions do. Perhaps we've come to think that Jesus is just a man with all the answers, but even more so. Yes, he has those, but Jesus is really the man that's a great, great questioner. That's really what he is. The great questioner. He has questions that take us beyond the obvious. They take us to something deeper. And that's where I'd like to go with you today. Because like a grain of sand that gets into an oyster and irritates its tissue and produces a pearl, so too are Jesus' questions to us. The oyster reacts to the sand and puts over that little invader substance, substance that it made its own mantle with, and it creates a beautiful pearl. So too for us, Jesus' intention with questions, it wasn't to put off people, but rather to engage people, to draw them out from the fundamental stuff of life 
truths that arise that are worth the price of a pearl. The more irritating the question, the more it intrudes, the more it disorients, the more it challenges, the more beautiful the pearl that results. With questions, Jesus invites us to think, to think about life so that we might do life differently, fully, forever. And so today, out of the hundred plus questions that Jesus asked, we're just going to look at three, okay? Three questions for 2020, and here they are. What are you looking for? Why are you looking for me? And what do you want me to do for you? Those are the three questions we'll ask today. Jesus' questions. And I'd like to invite you to ask yourself, and if you wouldn't mind, answer them. Not to me, but to yourself. Ask yourself. Look honestly. And with the Spirit of God's help and with His power, I believe that we can uncover fresh new meaning and be challenged to live this new year with a new perspective and a new outlook. So here we go. The first question. What are you, what are you looking for? You know, Jesus' public life began with recruitment. He was a teacher. He was a rabbi. And so he invited, invited people to be his disciple. And that's still what he's doing today. That's why you're here, because you've accepted his invitation to be his disciple. And you've decided to hear his words, to follow his advice, to make decisions. And his first invitation was, included a question like this, what are you looking for? That's what he said to those who he first invited. And it's a question that Jesus I think wants us to ask ourselves, what are you looking for? So here's how the, the scripture reads. John chapter 1, verse 35 to 39. You can follow in your Bible or on the screen. The next day, Jesus, John stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, behold the Lamb of God. The two, two disciples heard John speak and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, Here's the question. What do you seek? What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Not just that day, but for the rest of their lives. The call. Andrew and John, evidently that's who it was. We only know of one, Andrew. He's named John, we figure, is probably the other disciple that met Jesus that day. They were, first of all, disciples of John. But then John invites them to look for the next step, to become disciples of Jesus. And they heeded John's advice. Teacher Jesus understands what they're about. They want to be disciples. They want to be learners. And so that's why he asks them the question, 
What do you seek? In other words, what are you looking for? And I want to ask you this morning, what are you looking for? What are you looking for in life? Now, when Jesus said those words, it wasn't rejection. It's open. It's kind. He questions their expectations. He asks for them to identify their hopes, their dreams, because this is what matters to Jesus. For you, for me. You see, Jesus isn't merely gathering a crowd. Jesus is filling lives with hope. That's what Jesus does. The question, what are you seeking? That question wasn't for Jesus. He already knew. I mean, he didn't need to know from them what they were thinking. He's not looking for information. And when he asks you, he already knows as well. He can read hearts. He can size up characters in a moment. So the question is not for him. The question was for Andrew. The question was for John. The question was for these would-be disciples. The question is for you. The question is for me. What are you looking for? What are you looking for? What made you say yes? Why are you a follower? Why are you here this morning? Why are you tuning into this broadcast? Why are you here? It's the very first question in the Gospel of John. The very first question. And as questions go, it must be a very important one because of that. And as one theologian wisely wrote, it's clear the very first question that must be addressed to anyone who comes to Jesus. The very first thing that must be made clear, that is this. Who do you seek? What are you looking for? What's your deepest desire? What is of ultimate value for you? What gives you purpose? What gives meaning to your life? That's what Jesus is asking. And this is where the grace of God and the new freedom that his love awakens in our hearts. Kind of like Paul says in Romans chapter 5, where he says, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So that's what really what's happening in our hearts. We sense this desire, this desire that God's love for us creates in us, implanted in us by his Spirit. It awakens our hearts. It's this desire. This desire watered by God's word, strengthened by his spirit, nurtured by prayer, and made active in service. That's what, that's what it's all about. And so as we <clears throat> begin this new year, God asks us a question. What are you seeking? What are you seeking? What gives your life purpose? 
What gives your life direction? What gives it meaning, contour? What do you seek? What are you looking for? What is it that you love? Who are you? So you can see that these questions, this question that Jesus asks, excavates beneath the surface, beneath performance, beneath actions, beneath what we commonly count as success or failure. His question attempts to bring to the surface the very things that govern our lives, that give meaning to our lives, that reach for the joy that really brings meaning to life. So he asks you this morning, what do you want out of life? When it comes to death, what do you want your life to have meant? Jesus is asking you that this morning as we start this new year. Maybe you've been looking for other things. <clears throat> Maybe you've been preoccupied with, with money or with influence or with significance. Maybe you've been preoccupied with friendship or control or, or whatever. And Jesus calls us back to meaning, to meaning in life, the kind of meaning that's found under his yoke, embracing his ways, his ideals, his truth. And so he asks us this question this morning. What are you looking for? Our next question comes from the story of Jesus' childhood. And it's found in Luke chapter 2, 41 to 49. We'll read it. You can look in your Bible or on the screen. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it, but supposing him to have been in the company, and they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances, So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. So when they saw him, his parents saw him, they were astonished at his answers and understanding, oh, sorry. and they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, here's a second question for you. Why do you seek me? Why do you seek me? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? So the question for you, second question for 2021, for you. Why do you seek him? Now we know why Mary and Joseph were seeking Jesus. I mean, he was their son. And they were responsible for him. And as any parent would do, they were concerned about his well-being. And so they were seeking for him. Parents worry when children disappear. All of us can identify with that, with their worry. 
Their precious son is missing. They're distraught. They're anxious. They're worried. And seeing him in the temple, finding him there, reasoning, and listening to his questions and his answers to the scholars. They're relieved. But they question his actions. And they say to him, why have you done this to us? Jesus responds with a question. Why do you seek me? Actually, two questions. Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And these two questions, the question of mom and Joseph and the question of Jesus are like questions from two different worlds, aren't they? Two different worlds. Why are they searching for him? Because that's what parents are supposed to do. Or, as Jesus' question asks them, were they searching for him because they really wanted to know who he was? Is that why? Did they really want to know that this one born to them miraculously, this one born to them by announcement of the angel Gabriel, this one called Messiah, this one called Son of David, Emmanuel, God with us. Is that why they were looking for him? When Mary and Joseph finally find Jesus in the temple, they're amazed, aren't they? It says that in Scripture, they're amazed at his engagement with the rabbis. But are they really amazed? Or are they just relieved? Relieved that they finally found him. And so Jesus says to them, Do you not know that I must be about my father's business? (laughs) Mary and Joseph want Jesus back in their home and to their business. (laughs) And he would be back there, as you read a little bit later on in the same story, verse 51. He would be back with them and be subject to them. It says, but that was only temporary. Only for a few more years. One day his path and their path would divide. One day Mary would see him hanging from a tree. Not something that she expected. Jesus' words to Mary and Joseph, that day, are words spoken not just to them, but to you and me today. Why are you seeking me? Jesus asked. Why? He asked you, he asked me to search our hearts and ask ourselves, what's our real motive? What's going on inside there? Now, he knows all the various reasons for seeking him. He certainly does. And not all of them have to do with knowing him better. Some seek Jesus for convenience. Some seek Jesus to fix their problems so that they can move along their own path. Some seek Jesus for various reasons. Some seek him so they can fit him into their own lifestyle and live their own way. 
And at the beginning of 2021, I want to ask you, not me, this is Jesus asking you, why do you seek me? Why are you seeking him? Are you looking for him? For who he is? For the reasons that he gives? Or do you want it your way? You want him to fulfill your wants, your desires, your plans. So what is it for you in 2021? I'm so glad to bid this crazy year adieu, aren't you? 2020, I'm so glad that it's gone and I can look to a new year. But all of us are very aware that life pretty much has gone off the rails, hasn't it? I mean, it's gone off the rails. Something is missing, and every attempt to fix it just seems to miserably fail. Today, you've tuned in, you've turned up, you've shown up, you've joined online. You're seeking him. But I want to ask you, why? Why are you seeking him? Do I seek him to receive his love, to share his mission, to change the world his way by compassion, humility, and self-giving love? Or is there different motives involved? This is why Jesus asks the question today for you, for me. What are you looking for in me? Why are you looking for me, Jesus asked. He wants to know the answer so we can know where we are. And he wants to know the answer even if it makes us feel embarrassed, like Joseph and Mary must have felt a little bit embarrassed when they asked that question, don't you think? They must have felt embarrassed when they asked that and Jesus responded, no, no, Joseph and Mary didn't get the whole story. They didn't fully understand what Jesus was or what Jesus meant, but they thought about it. It says a little bit later, his mother stored up these things in her heart. Yeah, they thought about it. They weren't getting it completely, but they sure did think about it. And Jesus was patient. And he went home with them. You know what? Jesus will go home with you. He'll go home with you, even if you don't know completely, because he's patient. They didn't get it all. We don't likely get it all either, but be assured, he'll come home with you too. He'll come home with you, and it would be well for us to do what Mary did, to think hard about these things, which brings us to our last question. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want? That's Jesus. I mean, we could take one of the hundreds, but here's just three. What do you want me to do for you? You know, I had to do this. You know, Bowden, our grandson, turned one in December. I knew you were asking, so I just happened to put a couple slides in, you know. There's Bowden, our only grandson, one year old, and his vocabulary consists of mama, uh and ba. <laughs> Mama uh ba. And he does that a lot. 
I just happen to have, since you were asking, a picture of my other two grandkids. I knew that you'd want to see them too. Uh, those, so there they are. But I'm talking about Bowden here, just for a moment. Bowden, okay? So what he does to get what he wants, he grunts, he points, and he says, ba, mama, or uh. And you get, the, you get the feeling that he knows what he's talking about most of the time, but it's hard to know what he's talking about. And sometimes I also believe he doesn't even know, even know what he's, he's talking about. But he's trying, and sometimes it ends in frustration and grunts and groans and sometimes even in tears. And I have to say we're a bit like that too. Like little Bowden. Knowing what God is supposed to do for us, no matter how long we've known him, is still a bit mysterious, isn't it? It is for me anyway. I just want to say, knowing what he's supposed to be doing for us, no matter how long I've been with him, is still a bit of a mystery to me. I have opinions, I have ideas about what I think he wants to do for me, what I feel he should do for me, but they're still kind of grunts and groans. But when it's Jesus standing in our space asking us, what do you want me to do for you? I think it's worth giving it a little bit of attention, don't you? What do you want me to do for you? Because he's offering us his help, his advice. He's putting himself at our service. He's not just trying to frustrate us. He's trying to help us to probe, to know what, what we really are about. And he knows that we don't want to get it wrong. He knows that. So two stories include this question in the Gospels, and we're just going to briefly go through both. In one... James and John are standing before Jesus and they're asking for a blank check. You remember the story. Remember, James and John come up to Jesus and they say to him, Mark chapter 10, verse 35, Jesus, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Can you believe that question? We want a blank check. And Jesus responds, what do you want me to do for you? Does he know what's behind their request? (laughs) He sure does. He knows they want control. He knows they want power. He knows they want influence. They want places of prominence. He knows that. And they think that Jesus is in the power dispensing business. That's what they think Jesus is. And they don't want to miss this opportunity for personal advancement. And so Jesus asks them a question. After they ask, you know, for what they wanted, he said, are you able to drink the cup that I drink? That's verse number 38, Mark 10. And be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? They're about to graduate. (laughs) They've spent almost three and a half years with him in this discipleship training program. And they're light years away from where Jesus is. 
and they're just about to graduate from discipleship. <laughs> Little do they know that sitting at Jesus' right and left will one day become hanging at Jesus' right and left. Little do they know. They're all about reputation. They're all about achievement. They're all about power and control. Why? Because that's the currency of this world. That's what we all deal in. But that's not the world that Jesus lives in. That's not his kingdom. We're not in the world. His world is not a world where he gives us whatever we want because without them, we'd be afraid that we might not have what we need. That's not what he's about. We are in the servant business world. That's what Jesus' world is about. We're in the world where we give ourselves in behalf of others. That's Jesus' world. It's far more valuable to live a life of service than to acquire safe possessions for me. Then to drive the point home, Jesus tells his mission and what activates his motives. He says this, one of the most powerful sentences of Jesus. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You see, the Son of Man, Jesus, will serve others even to death. Handing himself over for a ransom payment, that's what he will do. Handing himself over to set our lives free from bondage, that's what he will do. So, here's a question for you, for us today. The last question. As we sit on the edge of this new year, do we know what we are to ask Jesus for? And to help us with this question, he asks it one more time just a few verses later in the second story. So further down, if your Bible is open, you can see it down at the bottom of chapter number 10. But on the screen, you'll see it. Jesus meets a man, a beggar, a blind beggar. And he's simply called a blind beggar. Nothing mysterious about his situation, not, nothing mysterious about his need. His cry is basic. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He cries out. He does it over and over again. And the contrast between his cry and James and John is stark. His words are simple. His plea for mercy leaves Jesus to decide what to do. Look at me, Jesus, and see what I need is what he's saying. And in your mercy, decide how you will give, what you will give to me. That's a pretty different ask, isn't it, than what the disciples said, give me whatever I want. Standing before Jesus, the man hears Jesus ask, what do you want me to do, to do for you? Same question, same words, completely different audience. Different because the blind beggar, Bartimaeus, makes no appeal for entitlement. No appeal for privilege. No request for personal advancement. 
at the expense of others. He's simply a man with a need looking for mercy. Rabbi, I want to see. I want to see. Bartimaeus is not maneuvering for position in the kingdom of God. He just wants to see. And that's what Jesus is all about. Helping people see. Jesus calls blessed those who are poor and crushed in spirit because he can satisfy that. Jesus calls blessed those who mourn because he can bring comfort and heal. Jesus calls blessed those who hunger and thirst after righteousness because they will be filled. What Bartimaeus wants is what Jesus wants. And he wants it for all of us. Jesus is all about helping people see. That's what he wants. To see with natural eyes and to see with spiritual eyes. Jesus' question. He he doesn't do it to judge. He questions so that he can invite faith. They are not true or false questions. They're not right or wrong questions, but they're questions about meaning that invite us to explore, explore the, the deeper chambers of our own hearts in order to reveal our inner needs, who we really are, what we're really about. You'd think that James and John would have answered well, huh? But they completely missed it. And they'd been with Jesus so long. And could it be the same for us? I've been with Jesus a long time. A long time. Since I was 18. You've been with Jesus. Some of you even longer than me. You, me, we're we're people well versed in the Bible. Maybe it would be well for us to turn to blind beggar Bartimaeus and allow him to teach us how to answer. He comes to Jesus empty-handed. No conditions, no underlying motives. He comes to Jesus stripped of pride, stripped of privilege, stripped of entitlement. He comes to Jesus and his needs are painfully clear. Maybe it's the case that Jesus took a moment to see if James and John were paying attention, (laughs) whether they saw the difference. You think so? Maybe Jesus is taking a moment to see if we get it. This is more than a story of healing. This is the story of responding to Jesus. So I want to ask you, Would you take a moment right now? Would you ask Jesus this question right now? What do you want me to do for you? Take a moment to answer that. Jesus is asking you, what do you want me to do for you? Do you ask him for some sort of healing? Do you ask him for healing for yourself or for someone you love? 
Do you ask him this morning for maybe mending a broken relationship? Maybe you ask him this morning for better job prospects or maybe you're asking him to successfully help you successfully maneuver this coming quarter of school. Maybe you're asking him for a partner to love. Maybe you're asking him for money, for for rent, for school, for food. Maybe you're asking him, asking him to be happy. God wants us to ask. He's asking you today, what do you want me to do for you? But the story of Bartimaeus is not just the story of a miracle. It's a story of faith. Bartimaeus believed When everyone else tried to shut him up, he cried out even more. When the years of blindness told him, God doesn't care. He doesn't lose faith. That's Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus knew Jesus cared. Even when the situation told him God didn't, but he knew he did. Even when others kept telling him, Jesus doesn't, he knew Jesus did. What about for you this morning? What do you want to ask Jesus to do for you? He'll answer you in ways that will fill your heart with joy. Mm -hmm.